Hey everybody, I'm Nick Davis. Welcome to Simply Not Easy, the podcast about simple action steps to improve the journey of your life as I work to improve the journey of my own. Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to Simply Not Easy. We're here another great day, another good start to the week. Every great week starts out with Muscle Monday. Well, I guess it means every week's a great week. Anyways, had a great conversation with my young, younger cousin earlier today. Um, she's a smart one. She's going to be good out there. Anyway, she decided, um, she's a junior in college right now, decided that she wants to go on to physical therapy school. So just picking my brain, getting some ideas and everything. And then <laughs> we got talking about, you know, why do all these gen eds even matter, right? This whole physics stuff, why do we got to go through it? And, um, you know, I was able to help provide just a little bit of insight to some things that I thought were important other than um, maybe even more important pearls of wisdom about which ones it's like, nah, you just got to know this stuff to, to get through the class to make it through. And now, this is going to sound weird coming from me because I'm not a big math guy. I'm not a big, like, oh, advanced calculus trigonometry to figure it out. I'm more of a conceptual guy, like understanding, like understanding general rationale, some reasoning behind it, maybe into more specific mechanisms with physiology and things like that. Um, not to say I don't have an appreciation for the nuances, but maybe not just the math, maybe not the math, uh, the math behind it. But physics truly is the language of the universe. And, um, you know, all interactions, whether at the anatomical, uh, physiological, smaller level, or at the global colossal level, um, physics really is a language of the universe, and I do think that there is immense value in that, but only as much value as you are able to ascribe to your profession, to your calling, to your choice, to what you want to go after. And I do think it's important to have some level of understanding, but that may not necessarily need to be backed up by a crap ton of math. Maybe you can take the ideas that other people have backed up with a crap ton of math utilize them for yourself. Um, I'm a little bit halfway on the borderline. Sometimes I appreciate the extra details with it sometimes. Nah, we're good, man. Alright, but anyways, to the point and intention of today, Muscle Monday, we are hitting the sternocleidomastoid, SCM, baby. And this is one of those muscles that typically in a lot of um, anatomy curriculums is taught early. It's taught early because it orchestrates a lot of principles of movement, um, of kind of that pulling of origin to insertion, looking at a kind of somewhat more quote-unquote complicated action because it's got a side bend and rotation in different directions. But also because it's quite visible on people and it's a muscle that you probably often didn't think about very much until you started taking more anatomy classes or things like that. So the SCM, sternocleidomastoid. As always, let's hit the structure so we can figure out what the head function is based on that, because anatomy and physiology, they don't lie, baby. All right, let's start off with the origin. The origin of the sternocleidomastoid, well, let's break down the name, sternocleidomastoid. Sternum, sterno is on the sternum, the breastbone. Clido is for clavicle or the collarbones. And mastoid is a mastoid process, which is basically right behind your ear, that little nub up there. So that's the, the direction it's going to travel from. So its origin starts out on the sternum. And it starts up on that superior part of the sternum, actually right on the manubrium, which is that kind of like wider plate part. 
on the superior part. Uh, then it's also on the clavicle for the name Clido on the medial superior third of the clavicle. So it's kind of right in the middle. Come, it originates right down there, basically top of the breastbone area, a little bit onto the collarbone. Now, and we'll see later in that tension in this muscle can restrict motion, not only at the cervical spine, the neck, because it does go through a, a lot of the vertebrae up there and have fascial restrictions, but restrictions here because its origin takes place at both the clavicle and the sternum, that restrictions in this can cause to, can lead to restrictions in the SC joint itself along the way. So that'll be important down the road into more, um, more advanced joint specific training and how we look at muscle tension and related to joint health and joint movement as well. And what's the true cause of that impaired joint movement? It's one thing to say, all right, the joint can't move well. All right, then you gotta take a step further. What directions can't that joint move well in? All right, sweet, we got that. After that, it's what is restricting that joint from moving in that direction? Is it more muscular? Is it more capsular deep in the joint itself? If even we have those things, okay, let's take it a step further. What is facilitating that? Is it a neurological-based mechanism that's a pain inhibition in that area? Is it poor afferent input? Is it just poor movement patterns, quote-unquote posture in the area? We can go layers and layers deeper trying to understand the why behind the what of what we see. And that's how we put the whole patient together for the whole picture. But anyways, we got the origin lockdown insertion. Well, sternocleidomastoid is only one part left of the name. It's gonna originate up on the mastoid process, which is on the temporal bone up behind the ear. In addition to this mastoid process, it's also gonna insert up on the occipital bone on that superior nuchal line on the lateral half. So basically the mastoid process and just a little bit more posterior on that skull, going back on the occipital bone on that superior nuchal line where we have a lot of other attachments from similar muscles up there too. Before we talk action, let's talk innervation. The SCM is innervated by cranial nerve 11, which is the accessory nerve. This nerve is um, deemed one of the 12 cranial nerves, but again, there's been recent talk among anatomists that functionally, it serves as much more of a, well, cranial nerves are technically peripheral nerves, but um, that this spinal accessory nerve really truly is much more of a peripheral nerve, even more so than any of the other ones with a cranial designation to them. But it was originally named within the system, so we're gonna keep it within the system. SCM innervated muscularly by the accessory nerve, cranial nerve 11, sensory-wise, in terms of proprioception, in terms of pain fibers, the SCM is innervated by the nerve roots from C2 and C3 for proprioception, feeling in space, and for pain. So we get sensation from spinal nerve roots and we get its motor input from the accessory nerve. So we've got all these bad boys down. Now we've got, we've got kind of the anatomy locked down, locked in there. Now let's talk about his action, because ultimately all action is, is we got the origin insertion, now let's take a rope and let's pull it. One end of the rope, 
is tight, is stabilized, and we pull the other one, making it move, or vice versa, we have it so that the other end of the rope is tight or taut, and the other end moves for more of an open chain versus closed chain, a proximal or distal fixation of the muscle. But how we typically think of um, muscle movement is going to be the origin stays fixed and the insertion is pulled towards the origin. So the origin being down by the clavicle area, we've got the head movement. So the SCM, when it contracts on one side, just one side by itself, what it is going to do is it's going to pull on the back of the head. It's going to pull from the top, kind of by the collarbone, cross over from the anterior to posterior side. Because it crosses anterior to posterior, it's going to be a rotation to the opposite direction because it's pulling for the right SCM, it's pulling the back of the right the right head in the back part and it's pulling it closer, your ear down to your shoulder so it's going to side bend you. But because we name rotational movements from the anterior perspective, guess what? It's actually going to rotate the head to the left. So the SCM is going to ipsilaterally or same side, side bend the head, and it's going to contralaterally, or opposite side, rotate the head. Pretty cool that this is actually the motion in the mid-cervical spine that we get when we get to do cervical manipulations that will actually lock segments down through. So you can use a, uh, a locking technique to help with a better short lever axis thrust going through the cervical spine as well as potentially a long lever axis as well to get some leverage on it um, for a more global effect too. So we wind it up through the SCM and we'll find our contact point for these cervical manipulations kind of posterior to the SCM along what we call the articular pillars or the pillar up and down of the articulating facet joints where the cervical spine comes into play with each other from the superior cervical facet and the inferior cervical facet as far as the processes in there that articulate with each other. Anyways, that's the main action of the SCM. Um, when both contract together, they help to flex the head, to knot it up, which makes sense because it attaches from um, the front to the back. It's going to pull it forward. That's when we have other stabilizers at play. Sometimes the head might look a bit too extended back if you use the SCM. But really, what this is going to do is it's going to leverage it forward. There will be other fixators in the area. And with the SCM contracting both sides at the same time, it's going to flex the head, but also kind of push everything out forward into that typical forward head posture that is so often described and so often uh, criminalized as well. Um, but there is, um, it is true that it can lead to decreased airway resistance as well. So again, not great for long-term. However, short-term, it can help lead to, um, when you're running, people have that forward head posture. Is it optimal positions as far as management of literally a bowling ball round size object, AKA your head, um, way far forward from your shoulders? Again, going back to physics, the moment arm of the muscles becomes much larger, thus requiring more of a force from your upper traps and other stabilizing muscles to keep yourself at play. So energy efficient, no, but in the short term, it does actually help open up the airway a little bit. And that is why people so commonly, one of the many reasons 
aside from giving into the pressure of gravity way too easily, do go ahead and have their head way too far forward. All right, y'all. This has been a great episode on the SCM, sternocleidomastoid. Um, certainly there's far more we could dive into his little nuances, but hope this helped out there. Again, anatomy never lies. Physiology never lies. There might be variances, there might be things we don't understand, but it never lies. We can always learn more. Origin, insertion, action, innervation. Let's get it. The sternocleidomastoid is not a muscle where it's like, damn, I want to train that bad boy. Right? I want to get that stronger. You might get the overall neck stronger. You might train specific neck motions. Um, I might want to get the deeper neck flexors or neck extenders, the better stabilizers of the spine, of the cervical spine, stronger, but not the sternocleidomastoid. Oftentimes, um, we have people laying down on their back in the supine position, just barely nod their chin, tuck their chin just a little bit closer towards their Adam's apple, and lift their head up while maintaining that. You should feel the deep cervical neck flexors towards the back of the head kick in and really stabilize strong. If you're feeling that sternocleidomastoid kick in, in addition to it or instead of it, you want to really try and help reprogram it. The sternocleidomastoid is not a bad muscle, but it can be used at the wrong times for overpowering other important muscles in our body, like those deep neck flexors. Again, superficial layer. There's nothing wrong with it as long as you get deep too. You gotta be deep so you can move superficial. All right, y'all. Keep it real out there, keep grinding, keep it strong, and keep that knowledge flowing. Simply not easy.